This episode of the Shooting Bricks Podcast is brought to you by Thrive Fantasy. Do you want to make some quick cash on sports betting but don't really know how? Well, come hashtag prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. They have eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top tier athletes in a specific sport. For instance, if you're interested in the NFL on Thrive Fantasy, you choose 10 out of the 20 player prop positions to build your lineup. NFL not your thing? Not a problem. For the NBA, MLB, PGA, or esports, you choose 5 out of 10 player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to happen. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. If you're into the PGA, Thrive has new contests for each day of tournaments, so don't sweat it if your golfers ruin your weekend by not making the cut. Since launching in 2018, Thrive has awarded over $1.3 million in prizes. Ready to play? You can download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website at www.thrivefantasy.com. Don't forget to use our promo code SBPOD when you sign up today to receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. Sign up and hashtag prop up today. Welcome back to this episode of the Shooting Bricks podcast. And, you know, last week we were kind of dealing with fires and whatever else. And thankfully, things have gotten better. So we it's just one of those things where I feel like after a few rough weeks, I think it's time we have some good news. And we'll get to some good news in a little bit. But first, as always, I'm Jerry Castillo and I'm joined by uh, I'm Daniel Wayne. Uh, we are just uh, discussing dating preferences, but whatever. Uh, joining us as well. It's your boy, Relly Rel Jarrell Sales. And the good news is not pertaining to dating preferences. As a matter of fact, it's actually pertaining to the Denver Nuggets. Um, I know, of course, you guys saw Game 2, and you guys saw Game 3, and let's just start things off with Game 2, because I know that's the more interesting of the games so anthony davis was dominating in game two he had 31 points and nine rebounds and he even made an amazing game winning shot over Nikola Jokic. so props to him and actually a little bit more props to him for mouthing kobe after that shot you know showing that mamba mentality and just a little bit of a, a tidbit for that game after game was it game three or game two, excuse me, AD with 741 points and 293 rebounds in his first 25 career playoff games is the fifth player in NBA history to reach those numbers. The other four, Kareem, Elgin Baylor, Wilt, and Bob McIndoe. And LeBron James actually also had 26 points and 11 rebounds in game two. And that was an interesting game from at least my perspective because you saw how hard the nuggets were trying to fight right they didn't they were down big but then they made it a game towards the end uh nicole Jokic scored the last 11 points for denver ended up with 30 points eight assists and six rebounds and jamal murray had 25 points four four assists and six rebounds in game two so that was game two anthony davis sealed it good job to them but then game three entirely different story 
And gee, I just want to get your thoughts on this entire situation because there's one point that I want to to ask you guys about, and I'm going to get to that in a little bit. But first, what are you guys' thoughts about the series so far? Um, I think personally, I'm going to say right now, I think people were people kind of overacted a little bit this morning. I think it was. I think this type of result was going to. I expected a type of game like Game Three to happen, considering how you know the previous game ended on a buzzer beater. I mean, you, like like what you know? How rare is that? And I mean, of course, it's going to take the life and energy out of the winning team. Uh, so I mean, I wasn't surprised by Game Three yesterday that you know the team looked fatigued. Um, I think. But I think the difference is I think we're still – I think the Lakers are still going to pull out the series. The Lakers showed one thing that their, you know, city rivals did not show in their series against the Nuggets was hard. Um, game four – in the fourth quarter of game three, the Lakers actually put on, like, a monumentalist, like, comeback. They could have won, but I think they were just too far behind, and they literally exhausted themselves, and that's why they lost game three. So, I, personally, I'm not worried. Um, in regards to Anthony Davis, I think, like – the performances he's been doing in these playoffs kind of shows that he's legitimately the next great Laker big man. There's no, there's no way around it. But anyways, I think the Lakers are primed to win the next two games. So really quick uh, thing with the Lakers, it was a double digit game throughout most of the entire game. And then the Lakers made it a three point game with just about three and a half minutes and change left to go in the fourth. So that heart you, you speak of, really showed for the Lakers and also for the Nuggets. But, G, I want to get your take on the Lakers and just their overall play yesterday. Um, I've come to the conclusion that Anthony Davis wants to be Kevin Durant. Why do yeah. I say that? This motherfucker hits one game-winning three, and all of a sudden, he's a shooter. Now, before that game-winning three, how many threes did he hit? In the Not previous much. five games. So why the hell do you think all of a sudden you're a three-point shooter? I I can count, I can't even count on my on my on my two hands how many times Anthony Davis just set his big ass in the corner, paused, in the corner, waiting for a shot. For what? Just throwing up bricks. And on top of that, he didn't get a rebound. He didn't get a rebound to the fourth quarter. You the you 6'10, you athletic as I don't know what. Why are you not getting rebounds, bro? I have to disagree with your statement, Daniel. Anthony Davis is not on track to becoming one of the next Laker uh, great bigs. He's oh, on the track to being on, one of the, the Lakers uh, great wing players because that's what the f*** he think he is. Mm -hmm. And that game shows it. There's, there, and, and, and it's, been, it's, been, it's been throughout his whole career. Think about it. There was even a inter, a, an interview, and I, I'm sorry I can't source the interview, but he was discussing how in the offseason, I mean, the regular season, you know, um, he doesn't want to play the five. You know, Vogel talked to him about not playing uh, what position you want to play. He tells – whenever he talks to Shaq or talks to these other analysis, analysis he tells um, he tells them, I'm a four. I'm a four. I ain't a five. I'm a four. When it comes to playoffs, I guess I, guess I got to play it. He already got that mindset. Anthony Davis forgets when he's a big. He's had moments where he has switches with Jamal Murray on him at the top of the key or that free throw line extended, and he's trying to cross him over like he's Kevin Durant. Anthony Davis ain't got the sauce like that. He can handle the ball against five and fours, but you're doing that against guards. You were trying to do that against P.J. Tucker. 
don't work. You don't do that all the time. Maybe in transition when you got a little head of steam, you got the downhill badge from 2K, you, you could get a little saucy with it. But in half-court setting, if you don't back him down, spot up, um, not spot up, face up and get a shot up, I have a lot to critique with Anthony Davis. And I know I gave some props to Kyle Kuzma in the previous series. I still give him this one prop that he is cutting better, but he is still f***ing garbage. <laughs> I see Michael Porter, and Michael Porter is inconsistent, but at least he will step up and do some stuff. He still does boneheaded but he'll still give you some buckets. The f*** did Kyle Kuzma do? Please tell me. And we can't sit here and get upset at LeBron. LeBron has been consistent in what he does. He is 35 years old, going on 36. He is not the same LeBron from Miami Heat. So I don't know why we expected him to score 40 points. He ain't going to do that Not every game, but he's going to consistently get us damn near a triple-double. That's what he does. And in the clutch, he's not about to score all the points unless he's feeling it. And last game, he wasn't feeling it. That's why he's sitting up here holding up onto the ball at the top of the key, expecting expecting Danny Green to hit the shot. That's why we need a shot maker. That's why he would he thrive with Kyrie Irving because he could kick it to him and Kyrie Irving could get a shot up. Anthony Davis ain't no Kyrie Irving. Yeah. But that's how I feel about the game. I mean, girl, <laughs> first of all, you cannot d- deny the man's talent. I think he is on track uh, to so, be going – one of the best, one of the better bigs in Laker history. But like, you are right in the way. He does have a weird guard mentality, and he forgets that he's six foot eleven. He should be playing a five, and you shouldn't be shooting threes. Right, and just to give you a little bit of context, right? He had one rebound, or no, excuse me, two rebounds the entire game. Two. That can't two happen. Rebounds. That can't happen. Two rebounds. And that can't happen. Overall, the Lakers bigs had a combined four. So that can't happen. It cannot no. happen at all. And just to just to give you a little bit more context, right? So we're talking about the Lakers bigs. Anthony Davis had a pretty solid game, 27 points, two two rebounds, <laughs> and a single assist. And LeBron, for all his trouble, got a 30, 10, and 11 triple double, right? Good for him. But I, I want to have... ask I want to ask, do you think his ankle is bothering him? Who? Who? LeBron. He rode his ankle in game one. He's ever, he has, okay, so hang on. I will get to that in a minute. So you also, you have to give a lot of credit to the Nuggets because Jamal Murray, if it wasn't for those huge daggers near the end of the game, this series might be, you know, very, very different. But alas, he made those incredible shots. So props to him because he had a, he almost had a, a, a triple double. And Nikola Jokic is just, feasting he's just demolishing whoever the lakers put in front of him he's averaging 22 points 10 and 5 so or no he got that last game and overall this is the more interesting bit right because we're talking about the main four players and we're talking about anthony davis in the series he's averaging 31 points 7 rebounds and 2.3 assists pretty solid lebron is averaging 23.7 points 9 rebounds and 9 assists pretty solid as well Jamal Murray is averaging 24.7 points, 5 rebounds, and 7 assists. And Nikola Jokic is averaging 24 points, 7 rebounds, and 5.3 assists. So that's a lot of numbers to throw out, but I just want to show you how incredibly close those, those two sets of players are. And It kind of shows that like, you cannot underestimate a Jamal Murray or Nikola Jokic. At first, at first glance, you, you think, they're oh, these guys are a bunch of scrubs. They're not elite. They're not elite in the league, but I wouldn't call them scrubs. Yeah, yeah, but like at first glance, at first glance, when you look at them and see what they look like, like like you can't take them seriously. But once they start playing, oh my god, you do not want to underestimate those two. 
So it kind of goes to show you like how good these people, those two are, and you you cannot just let them like take off. And that's not even including Gary Harris because he's still nursing an injury and he's he hasn't played up to his standards at all. Because in 27 minutes, he's averaging five points, 1.3 rebounds, and 1.3 assists on sub 30% shooting. So once he starts getting into the flow of things and once, you know, Mike Malone starts trying to tinker with lineups that make sure that he's the focal point, maybe while, you know, Jamal Murray or while Nicole Jokic is on the bench, I think the Lakers are in for a little bit of a, of a struggle there because you guys are talking about Kyle Kuzma. I mean, who, who can feasibly step up as the third piece for the Lakers? Because for the Nuggets, we saw Jeremy Grant do it. The Nuggets have consistently, every game, had a different player step up. The, the previous game was, uh, what's his name? And PJ is not PJ. Uh, Monte Morris? Monte Morris has been stepping up. But I'm talking about the 6'6", 235-pound uh, guard forward. Dozier? Craig? No, oh, no, no, PJ Dozier? Yeah, there you go. That guy. He, mm-hmm. he stepped up a bit. So the Nuggets have consistently had players that stepped up in vital moments when the Stars have kind of like, set back a little bit that's the same question i'm asking who on the lakers going to step up these are the times where we get those hardwood classics and we get those stories being told about players becoming great you know earning that contract or taking that next step up and i obviously i haven't seen it in kyle kuzma so i'm not even gonna i'm not even gonna consider him in that conversation i feel like kcp has has did what what was expected and i guess we can't be mad at that but uh, Dwight Howard has did what is expected, you know, bringing some toughness. Mm-hmm. But no I think one I'm has had honest. a breakout game. I'm gonna be honest. Um, don't be surprised if Rod, if Rajon Rondo like truly embody, becomes playoff Rondo. From he the, has been. It? Yeah, he's been he's been pretty much playoff Rondo. He's played out of his mind. But yeah, we so. don't expect Rondo to score. 15, 20 points. I don't want Rondo shooting four three-pointers and whatnot. I'm talking about somebody that's going to step up and make a, a huge difference, especially on a scoring end when sometimes we lack that, when LeBron James isn't dominating the ball or AD uh, remembers that he can he's a three-level scorer. Good throw in there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, ha- he has had, a, a, I mean, an okay road so far. Ooh. I mean, Alex Caruso, but like, eh. you, you can't. They're doing what is expected. Like, what have they done to step up? Anthony Davis has hit a game winner. He has scored uh, a little bit more than his season average. LeBron James has been averaging a, a consistent, almost a consistent triple double, which is a little bit more than his season average with reboundings, uh, rebounding at least, right? Is it 7.9, 7, 9, no. 9, just a little bit yeah. above his, his uh, season average. But who else is doing something that's above and beyond? No one. They're consistently doing the same shit. Rondo might have one game, but I, I, it's, it's not there. They need someone consistent because this is kind of an interesting thought, but had AD missed, it's 2-1 the Nuggets. Maybe. We got to factor in the third game could have been different. Right, but judging by, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? So let's assume that everything is the same. The Nuggets come out with more fire, passion, what have you, and then they put up the same kind of result as game three. I mean, that's an entirely possible thing. Do you guys think that this might be something that swings the series? Because I still have the, the Nuggets in seven. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the Lakers win this the next game and then the Nuggets win the next three. 
So I don't know. I what do you guys think? I think the Lakers are going to hit back the next game. Uh, the the Nuggets may win uh, game game five, but I think what is different this time around is that the Nuggets are going up against Kawhi Leonard's a great player. That's one thing, but you're going but you're going up against LeBron James, one of the who's notably one of the best leaders in the NBA, and he you're also probably facing the most hungriest player in the playoffs right now. LeBron James has a lot to lose in these playoffs. He has the goat. He obviously has the goat cloud over him, and he's also having that you know that other cloud of last season, the the humiliating experience of last season when he couldn't even take the Lakers to the playoffs. He has a lot to prove. So I think this time around, like it's it's I think someone has to you know put a stop. And for a young team like Denver, you can only go you know three straight you know two straight seven game series for so long. I mean they they have to be the fatigue has to come in sooner or later and i think lebron james is that person like you're not just you're not gonna pass him so i think lebron james stops these nuggets who have been honestly been a pain in the ass pain in the ass in five or six games five if they five if they're lucky Hmm. i I don't see that i don't see the nuggets winning in game seven i just i'm sorry um that's what they said the last two series as well yeah, we but ain't, like we, the, ain't, like, we ain't the Clippers. We ain't the Clippers. I mean, that's that's for sure. Unlike the Clippers, they like you these, never know like, what this, happens. This, this team actually like has heart and like is is not making any excuses. And I mean, like they they don't they just they actually care. So the the Nuggets do care, right? That's I mean, no, I was talking so about the Clippers. The clip, unlike unlike the uh, unlike you know the Clippers, the Lakers actually you know they they give a. F- yeah, I would hope so. Sometimes. But I still I still think that the Nuggets I th- you know, quote me whatever. I feel like they just have it this year. Every team has it, whatever the proverbial it is, right? I so. just think the Nuggets are just too young. Like you can like I said, especially on a young club, on a young club. The reason why Boston did so like they actually got to they actually won the championship in 08. Well, it was, yes, they went to a lot of game sevens, but those guys were experienced coming in. And they and Kevin Garnett, especially Paul Pierce, all those guys had the championship on their shoulders. They had to win that year. These guys, I mean, they're they're motivated, obviously, but they're young. They're young and, and very inexperienced. You can only put a, a team, a young team, especially in those situations for so long. I think the pressure will eventually get to them. It will. All right. Eventually. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that they're young, but they've proven to be a, 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 a solid opponent. My, my thing is taking advantage of their, their weaknesses. Um, hypothetically speaking, if the Lakers had an all-star guard, they will be cooking Jamal Murray on the defensive end. But we're going to speak of what we do have. Anthony Davis went off in game two. Why is that? What happened? He got switches, right? He had Jokic on him. Jokic can't guard Anthony Davis. Jokic can't play defense. No offense to Jokic. Jokic is a beast on the offensive end, and the Lakers acting like – almost said something I probably shouldn't have said on the podcast, but the Lakers acting like they don't want to play, getting pumped, acting like wimps, want to do all this flopping shit, you know, with Jokic, you know, that's going to get you in this position that you are now. But if they sit here and plan strategically how to attack this Nuggets team, there's no, there's no way the Nuggets are beating us. 
because it's possible. We just don't, for some reason, we just pick and choose when we want to take advantage of it. The Nuggets did it. They took advantage of Lou Williams. He was in there on Jamal Murray, barbecue chicken. He can't guard him. And that's the same thing with Jokic. Make him switch on you. If Anthony Davis realizes who the he is and gets to the free throw line and gets that gets that shot going in the mid range and attacks the back basket, there's no stopping us. I'm sorry because once he once 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 he does that, he's more involved in the offense. We saw it in game two. Game one, he had what? How many assists? How many assists did he have in game uh, three? My bad. Game three. Game three. One. Yes. One assist. Why is that? Because he's shooting threes. And it's pissing me off. Attack the basket. And somehow you find people because now you're drawing the double team. You want to be Kevin Durant so bad? Kevin Durant doesn't only shoot threes. Kevin Durant is a terrific three-level scorer. He will give you a mid-range bucket. He will give you a three. He will attack the basket. And Anthony Davis's floater, is, is it's pretty nice. So force that. When he does that, the team gets involved more. And if he does that with LeBron James consistently being who, who the f*** he is, and we have players consistently just do the bare minimum, the Nuggets aren't f***ing us. Now have one of those role players do something above average. Rondo gets a 10 assist game, gets 15 points. I'm, I'm just trying to – I don't know, man. We got two games already out of, out of it. And we almost came back in game three, even though that was a, a, a horrible game for us. Somehow anyway. we almost came back. Yeah. We just had Kyle Kuzma taking uh, – or hesitating <laughs> to take a wide open shot. But he I does mean, all types of boneheaded other I was I was encouraged by the end of game three, though. I was encouraged because despite that horrible performance, we still had the we, the Lakers still had the heart to at least fight. So yeah. I mean that's that that is encouraging. I mean unlike the Clippers who were like who who just literally gave up, just they just lie down and, and just surrendered. So I, at least question. what mm-hmm. did you find encouragement once we were down by uh, three or four points and all of a sudden we forget who we are or we want to just hold the ball to five I mean, seconds left uh, and shoot a three because I wasn't. Obviously, I was frustrated, but like I mean, I will give them. I will say this: at least, at least you guys fought. I, I think. I mean, the dumb decisions need to be obviously be cleaned up. But I, at least, at least you didn't like surrender. Right, and that's all you can hope for the Lakers because, again, they're not fighting or not. They're not facing off against the the Rockets. They're not facing off against Portland. This is an entirely different animal because they have so many different weapons that they can attack you with and even even michael porter jr right he's young he is bullheaded he can just do whatever he wants and occasionally the shots go in so i think that from this point on the lakers have to play their most disciplined style of basketball i mean obviously attack attack like our basketball is literally attack the basket go in the paint play with our play with our size i think the i mean frank vogel has sometimes i feel like he has an obsession with the three, like no, that's not who we are. So I think I that the, the Lakers need to realize that it would it would it would actually help the team more. I don't think it's well. I hope it's not just what I'm thinking it is. But in my head, I'm thinking that it, this is Anthony Davis choosing to just stay out in the corner. I'm pretty sure that's not in the game plan Thank because <laughs> because again, you've made the point. He's six eleven, six ten. Why in the hell are you standing in the corner, right? That is not in the game plan because if you look at Nikola Jokic, he starts out within, you know, he starts in the box and then he works his way out because once he gets those few shots in the paint within the three-point, you know, arc, then he starts feeling comfortable, then he can take those shots outside. And I think in game three, he took zero threes. I, I could be completely mistaken, but he took 
very few threes in game three. Most of his damage was done inside the three-point arc. Why can't Anthony Davis do that, especially with Jokic on him or Miles I mean, Plumlee? If or anything, KD. in the playoffs, it's best to play with the strengths. I mean, AD, it's not. AD. I mean, it's not. The playoffs is the worst time ever to experiment with your game. <laughs> yeah, it, I, some would say it's not the time at all. Can I also point out that Anthony Davis is how old? Twenty six years old. Yeah, yes. and he's out there. No, I'm. I'm just gonna point it out. He got he played over forty minutes last game and, and it was obvious that he was winded. But there was vital moments in the game where there were switches where A D was was very just very focused on switching instead of staying on Jokic. Where mm-hmm. we would have Rondo on Jokic and Anthony Davis just all right, go ahead, I'll guard Gary Harris. And those moments kind of kind of question, like I'm questioning that, bro. Like, why are you fading? Don't be honest. Don't fade away from who your defensive assignment is. And I don't know if it's just fatigue, but I, I didn't like that. I know we're supposed to switch on 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 the, on the defensive end, but I feel like we can fight over that. You need to be on Jokic, especially down the stretch. And there was a couple of moments, I, I believe at, at max, at, ma- at minimum three times, uh, AD just switched and started guarding Gary Harris or whoever the guard was and allowed Rondo to be uh, guard Nikolai Jokic. If anything, that doesn't seem like a championship mentality, but... You know, he's still young. He has three games before the the finals. If what you guys are saying are true, he has three games before the finals to figure things out. So we'll see. We shall see. But anyways, you guys mentioned very briefly the Celtics and another peek behind the curtain here. We're actually watching the Celtics and the Heat duke it out as of recording this. So we're still going to talk about game three because that was a, that's when, that's the one we, we all know, but yeah, game three, the the Celtics win it 117-106, and the Heat, for their part, even though they were down a lot, they were able to to try and make a, a comeback to make it a, a pretty generally interesting game. But in the end, just the addition of Gordon Hayward was too much. He provided a much-needed boost off the bench. In 31 minutes, he had six points, five rebounds, four assists, three steals, and a block. And that's his first game in over a month. So, and some there were some plays where he looked really winded. So that's just kind of a thing. But just a little bit more stats here before I get your guys' opinion on the series. Four Celtics scored more than 20 points in that game. Jalen Brown had 26, Tatum had 25, Kemba Walker had 21, and Marcus Smart had 20. On the flip side, the Heat, you know, like I said, they made it a close game in the fourth quarter. But they had six players score in double figures. Bam with 27, Tyler Hero with 22, Jimmy Butler with 17, Duncan Robinson with 13, Goran Dragic with 11, and Jay Crowder with 10. And those last four players, I just want to make note. Butler, Duncan Robinson, Goran Dragic, and Jay Crowder shot 14 of 41. And for those not math inclined like myself, that's 34%. You can't have that. And you got to give credit to, again, Gordon Hayward for his contributions and also the Celtics defense for making them work extremely hard for that. So kudos to the Celtics for making this a series. And again, I still have the Celtics winning the series. What do you guys think? My opinion of this series keeps flipping, but um, it's going to flip for the, you know, for the fifth million time. Uh, I think, I'm going to side with the Heat on this one. Mm-hmm. I just think 
I just think there's a certain grit that Miami currently possesses right now, and I think they're I think they're I actually think they're the more motivated team. I think for some reason Miami plays like there's some there's something to prove. Uh, Tyler Heroes, I mean, despite the loss, Tyler Hero had a great performance in Game Three. That's kind of tell like that's that's a very positive message for me. So I I think the Heat actually they're gonna win this one in six or seven games. Um, Boston until has next doing, week. Um, yeah, I mean we'll we'll see, but yeah. Boston has more pieces, but I, I, for some reason, Boston's not making those pieces, you know, as effective as they should. I mean, I, I would disagree because their four main guys are pretty freaking solid. I mean, they're averaging more than double digits a game. You know, they got get Gordon Hayward back. That's a huge boost. So, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to disagree with you on that one, but. I just hope that Kimball Walker stays consistent throughout this uh, series because, you know, his shooting has been – his his efficiency has been a little suspect. Um, yeah. But he, he is putting up the buckets. I It's it's really a flip-flop series to me. Depending on this game, if, if the Heat take a 3-1 lead, they're, they're winning it. Uh, if the Celtics um, tie it up, I might, give, I might give the momentum to the Celtics. Um, but it's really tough. To, to decide this like Daniel said the Heat are playing with grit um, their usual players are showing up but they're also having players like Tyler Hero who just hit a floater right now who, who, who watching the game um, who are stepping up and when you have those players step up which I just wish the Lakers had you're going to be something different like we're expecting the Celtics four to come out and do what they have to do but when the unexpected player on the Miami Heat comes out and perform it's tough and also, I feel like on the bigs matchup, Bam, Bam is mm-hmm. having himself a series. I looked at his stats. I don't know it off the top of my head. But he is he's well-rounded, uh, upped his average, and has been balling. And when you have Goran Dragic stepping up, Jimmy Butler doing his thing, Bam playing out of this world, and then you have other role players that are just excelling in their role, I don't know. I think that the Heat's bench is now outplaying the Celtics bench because who off the Celtics bench is putting up putting up numbers? Well, now they have Gordon Hayward. They have a lot of players that can can potentially help. They have Grant Williams, too, who is an unheralded piece in Game 3. So, also, just to just for your BAM stats, he's averaging 22 points, 10 rebounds, 4.7 assists, 1.7 blocks, 2 steals, and he's shooting 58% from the field. So, that defense has really picked up. I believe his assists went down a little bit from regular season. His rebound is around the same, but his points went up about six points from the regular season because I believe he averaged 16.5. So He's 15.9. Oh, so close. Pretty close, yeah. So, if they if they keep doing this, I don't, I don't know. If the Heat take this game, it's theirs. It's their yeah. series to win. And, again, I hope, the, I hope the, the Celtics win this, but I'm totally fine with the – the Heat making it to the NBA Finals because that means there's a Filipino coach in the NBA Finals yet again. Shout out to Eric Spolstra. So, one of the more old, one of the more underrated coaches in the NBA today. Absolutely, the job that he's done, and I'm and I'm not just saying this because you know he's Filipino, not Filipino, but the job that he's done since 2010 has just been remarkable. I think he's one of the more winningest coaches in this decade. Apart from you know Steve Kerr and like, and Greg I, I and think all he, I think he's actually to me, um, he's handled the, the the transition from the LeBron era to the you know the big three era in Miami to like to the to the current era with with you know with tr- like per, almost perfection. So like no coach could have handled it better than him, and I think he's handled it 
he's handled, I mean, this whole decade terrifically. So he, he deserves the credit he deserves. Yeah. And the fact that he's been able to do it almost seamlessly, like you've been saying, just the amount of pieces that he had to go through, right? You had, he had Hassan Whiteside for a little bit, who, and he turned him into a max-level contract player. You saw him with Bosch for one season, and then he was gone because of his heart condition. And the, just the way that he's been able to navigate all the, the perils, I guess, of coaching, and without necessarily his job being threatened, you, you got to give a lot of props for him for able to to deal with that sticky situation. But yeah, so flip flop series, just like uh, just like the last series for the Celtics, they fought hard against the Raptors. It was it was an extremely even series that one was, and I expect nothing less from this because they're very they're two both very well coached teams and two very potent offenses with a great defense. So. I will we'll say happens. this: This would give Miami the edge. I think in this situation here, my like Miami's coaching is would have the advantage over Boston's coaching because Eric Spolstra has been in this position countless times, and Brad Stevens, you know, hasn't exactly been here as much. So I think that that on that on that like thing in general, Eric Spolstra would be the better coach in this situation than Brad Stevens, even though Brad Stevens overall is the better coach than Eric Spolstra. Absolutely. And something that I've always, that I'm starting to notice more and more, our teams are starting to go into a zone and NBA teams don't know how to attack a zone because they, they seem flustered by it. We just saw a two, three zone and I don't know, I guess, what do you think G did the Celtics play that well or well enough, Um, I guess? Not at all. And also let's also point out that Jason Tatum has zero points in 15 minutes Oh, for six, right? And four. Yeah, man. And the Celtics, looking good. the Celtics are only down six, too. But anyways, speaking of things that ooh, that don't look good, Giannis, Giannis Antetokounmpo, he won his second straight MVP with a 31.9 player efficiency rating, PER. The PER takes into account all the field goals, field free throws, three-pointers, assists, rebounds, blocks, and steals, along with missed shots, turnovers, and personal fouls a player accumulates over the season. And just to just to add on a little bit more here, Giannis joined MJ and Akeem as the only players to win an MVP and a Defensive Player of the Year award in the same season. And what's more, his 31.9 PR is the highest in NBA history, according to Axios. And just for just for comparison's sake, the league average is 15. So Giannis did some incredible things this season. It just sucks that his team was absolute trash. Well, I wouldn't say they're trash, but they're, it was just bad. But you know, above average. His team around was above average. Yeah, above average, and it's a shame because you know this shows that he, this shows that he's a great player. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, he's coming to the point of his career where like. You got to win championships now. You got to show something for all these accolades. I mean, because if he keeps going like this and he keeps like ending up ringless, I mean, those MVP awards of those, you know, postseason awards, they're not going to mean they're not going to mean And I think, I mean, like this kind of shows you like you you got to win the chip soon. You got to show what it's worth. I mean, to be fair, he's only twenty five. So, I mean, Le- LeBron was facing similar pressure at that age too, and like. He, he left for Miami. 
and you left for Miami. So I, I, I feel some type of way, you know. Initially, before bubble bubble play uh, started, mm-hmm. I already gave out my NBA awards, and Giannis won the MVP for me. Um, but it's just something rubbing me the wrong way that he won both defensive player and MVP with Anthony Davis and LeBron James being and, in discussion. And Anthony Davis is honestly, in my opinion, the better defensive player than Giannis Antetokounmpo. No offense to Giannis. Right. Yeah, and I think it was those advanced statistics that came into play that gave Giannis the edge mm-hmm. rather than looking at the surface um, statistics the that Anthony – Yeah, that Anthony Davis possessed. And I just I just feel some type of way about him winning both. And it, it – I mean, but congratulations to him. <laughs> yeah. uh, we'll see what happens next. Like you said, uh, if he wants his legacy to be um, – in in the mentioned in the same names as Hakeem Olajuwon and MJ, he's gonna need a ring because guess what? Both those players have ring the rings, and also you have to take into account that he again he's twenty five, right? So he's got a ways away. Think of let's say this is early Giannis is in the early MJ phase, right? Between nineteen eighty three and nineteen ninety, where he just had all these obstacles and then you know all he needs is that scotty pippen and that horace grant and that john paxton and then all of a sudden that phil jackson maybe too all of a sudden um, how long do you think Giannis's um prime years are gonna be probably hey, until cool. his 30 until his 32 let's put it that way so he has seven years left I could see him playing. Yeah, I think you're right on the prime, Jared. Yeah. But I could see him playing effectively good basketball until like what LeBron's doing. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I could. Uh, he's going to be playing for years to come. Um, the question is, is like, I I do sense that team change is coming. I just, it needs I just, to. It, I can't help but feel it like it's it's on the horizon. The big question with that is, which team's going to get lucky? Which team's gonna get lucky? Who's gonna Who's gonna get the pieces in time to get him? Why do we automatically assume that the team change means Giannis leaves? What if he stays? What team changes needs to happen within? A lot. I mean, we've um. There needs to be a blockbuster trade. Milwaukee needs to do if they're gonna keep him. Yeah, I think so because we've mentioned this before. Milwaukee doesn't get a lot of free agents and. Chris Middleton, he's, what, 30? And none of the pieces around Giannis fit his timeline because he's 25. The rest of his teammates and are, like, 30. And it's got to be a top-10 NBA player that comes to town. I wouldn't say top-10, maybe top-15. Top-10 is too much. Because top-10, you're looking at maybe the the Currys, the Clay Thompsons, the LeBrons, the ADs of the world, and they're not going to give those people up. And Clay Thompson get cracked that top-10 list? I mean, my top-10 list, I mean... I think he got to be on the outskirts, like like eleven, like his draft. Eleven, twelve, where he got drafted at. Cause we got I mean, Damian Lillard, we got AD, we got LeBron, we got. Mer- I'm hey. just playing. <laughs> Who else? Hey, uh, hey, I'm, I'm Murray, being serious. Jokic. No, I'm Murray's not. For real? Nah, nah. Jokic is probably. Hey, I'm you got to include Harden. There's yeah, Kawhi. I'm, I'm being serious. Like they're not being well, discussed. They're, they're not being discussed of being moved right now necessarily. But they're in situations that it's actually possible they can get into that position very quick. Yeah. Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard, like it has to be through a trade. 
So Damian Lillard, um, like a Devin Booker, or or like even even a James even a James Harden. Well, that's not even likely. But you know, it, it's, I think realistically, CJ McCollum. CJ McCollum. It has to be a like you know like Jared said, top fifteen, top maybe if they're lucky, a top ten player in a situation where nobody thinks that they're gonna get moved, but they get moved. I don't. Well, okay. See, the thing with CJ McCollum is that he is thirty and. 29-30, and he doesn't necessarily fit Giannis's timeline because by the time Giannis is 30, he's still competing for a championship, but whoever they get, or if they decide uh, to stay with the I score... Can, I, I can see Devin Booker getting moved, even though there's no buzz around him getting they're moved. They're not trading him, man. They're probably going to trade him to Minnesota, if anything, to pair up with I mean, but and I just get this weird feeling that you know Devin Booker... He's definitely not going to be there forever. I just feel with the, I mean, they, the Suns exactly. have got, I mean, the Suns have gotten better, but it's just like I don't think it's going to be to a level where like Devin Booker in the future is satisfied and mm-hmm. he's going to bolt eventually because that. Yeah. Let's, I'm going to be honest with you, that organization's one of, it's on the worst side in all basketball. Yeah, so they're. Why, why would you want to stay in Phoenix? Why? They just mean he signed an extension. Yeah, but. I mean, I mean, yes, but eventually, like. All the yeah. all the failures and playoff mishaps are gonna get to you. He ain't got no playoff mishaps. Yeah. I mean, if you got about four four years left, go ahead, Jared. Though that's no, a while I mean, from now. I'm just saying, like, at what point does too much become too much, right? Like, if he signed that extension, sure, but he could be like, man, I, mean, I don't want to be here because we just keep on l- losing. Nothing's happening. I'm 26, 25 years old. I'm scoring 30 points almost every damn game, and nothing's happening. I want to leave. When and you're so Devin Booker, like twenty four, still man. When you're like a young player, you're you're, think, in, you're you're incentivized to stay loyal. But like as as time goes by, especially in this age where there's there's extra pressure to win rings, like twenty three, I'm you're, wrong. You're gonna do it as young, bro. You're gonna want a boat. You're gonna want a boat, and it could happen sooner than you think. Yeah. And speaking of sooner than you think, the Clippers didn't find themselves to be eliminated this early, so. I just want to throw this in real quick. So apparently Paul George gave a post-game speech after game seven. He was talking about how, you know, everyone just needs to come together so that they have a title run next year. Well, according to Sham Sharani of The Athletic, his speech was met with eye rolls and bewilderment. I, yeah, I could. Yeah, that's probably. I'm not shocked. Yeah, that's not surprising. I'm confused on how they know this. Like, yeah, I think this legit. I mean, dude, Shams, Sharania, and Adrian Wojnarowski, those two guys, whatever the headline, whatever they say, it's like, it's like the hand of God is telling you straight up, especially from Woj, dude. Like, uh, I want to get back to the Giannis thing a little bit. I do see, I do see, I do, I actually see a possibility. I don't know. No, if he's going to go to no. Dallas. No. I see. No, no, no. I'm not saying Dallas. He's going to say that. I know what you're going to say. You Go know, ahead. There, there is there is a small possibility that you know they could trade Paul George to Milwaukee. Ain't no f-ing way. It's possible. I'm not rooting for it, but I I see it as feasible. I see it as feasible because yeah, anyways. Go ahead. Uh, I would. I wouldn't. Uh, why would I trade my MVP defensive player for a PG thirteen? Out of here. It's better if anything, than nothing. If anything, y'all, y'all just sh- selling them short, man. But they getting <laughs> a pick. They getting Wiggins. a pick. They getting the about the same amount of points that Paul George put up. But they getting a pick. But what the Clippers got for you? Pick. Just Paul George. 
Yes, if the Warriors were to trade Andrew Wiggins, they would yeah. trade picks in it. So they they're getting picks. But yeah. with the Clippers, they have no picks. If anything, the Clippers get rid of Montrez Harrell. I see him going somewhere else because he wants to be a starter, right? He's not going to start on the Clippers, so he's out of there. Um, yeah, and the yeah. Clippers he were starts, – He were, starts – Montrez Harrell starts on the worst team in basketball. That's he about to go to the Detroit Pistons. <laughs> hey, let's not say that the Pistons are bad. The Knicks are, are still a thing. Yeah. Well, who going to the Knicks, the Knicks, though? Exactly. So uh, Mitchell Robinson, he's not starting over Mitchell Robinson. Get out of here. I mean, if the Knicks want him bad enough, I mean, they got they got the money. They, they're desperate for something to happen, so. That's going to be their big free agent splash. Sad six, state of affairs. center. What? Well, speaking of faking a splash, Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin announced that they're starting a new NASCAR Cup Series team for 2021 with Bubba Wallace being their driver. That's important because Bubba Wallace is the only black NASCAR driver in NASCAR. And the car will have the number 23, obviously. And Jordan becomes the first black principal owner of a full-time Cup team since 1973. So good on MJ for you know, doing a little bit more than, you know, what we typically don't see from him. Um, you know, any thoughts on that? I mean, it's, you know, good for Bubba. I mean, Bubba's a positive, you know, he's a positive guy in this world. I mean, I just think at the end of the day, and like, I'm not into motorsports, so like, not to be, not to me mean to Bubba Wallace, but like, I, a little, I just don't care. Just don't care whatever what like what happens in, in that sport in general. I I think I think this is monumental, especially during this time. Um, and the key thing is, uh, some you have someone to back you up because I know Bubba Wallace was going through it, especially in a world where you are singled out because of your ethnicity, which you um, identify as. So to have someone that is of the same identifier as you, um, and is seeking to promote social change. I think this is awesome because now it's going to make the uh, a lot of people uncomfortable, but it's not a bad uncomfortable. So let's go for it. Maybe we might see uh, more diverse NASCAR drivers, and then yeah. maybe we might get into it. <laughs> I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I'm rooting for Bubba. It's just like it, it's to me that sport in general is like it's a very antiquated sport in general. So the only NASCAR I've watched is cars. <laughs> yes yeah true yeah same here but are you guys rooting for the bulls because they just signed billy donovan to be their next head coach zach levine is stoked personally He's stoked to get traded i mean now that billy donovan is there now that the new front office is there you know for me personally i think this is going to be the the signing that the bulls need because they started from the top up they got rid of you know gar packs you know gar foreman and john paxson they're gone and they're just starting a, a new era in Chicago Bulls basketball. So I'm excited for it. I hope that, you know, Billy Donovan can get something out of Larry Markkinen. You know, Wendell Carter Jr. is a good piece. Do they have Otto Porter too? I think so. And they have Kobe White. Yeah. And like, you know, Zach Levine. So they have a good young nucleus there. And I think that Billy Donovan is the right coach for that situation. So per- Personally, I think this is a fantastic signing. I think – Billy Donovan was kind of done wrong in Oklahoma City. I think Billy Donovan was, you know, when he got there, right. he had Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and they were going to – they were many – even a, like a, a good group of people had them winning the championship. And then they, they slowly left as time went on. So Billy Donovan got done dirty in Oklahoma. 
So I think this is a steal. This is a steal of a signing. It's, and you're absolutely right, Jared. It's the right signing for this team right now. They have a young core. They got, you know, Zach Levine and they got Laurie Market. And I think he's the he's especially the right coach for like for a young team like this. So I and the Bulls have been have been honestly been irrelevant since tragically, you know, the decline of Derrick Rose. So mm-hmm. this this could be the beginning of like a rejuvenation, perhaps. I agree with both of what you guys are saying. Facts uh, up and down. Um, the only missing pieces now are those veteran players, sort of kind of like how the Thunder had. Um, and you just intertwine those in this team. And Billy Donovan is going to make some magic happen out of the Bulls. But I hope that magic includes Zach Levine coming to L.A., baby. Showtime, Lakers. Oh. Third option. Imagine that. Yes, sir. But they could take Kyle Kuzma and Danny Green. Bye. I'm like whatever pick, right? Yep. I, I still have a I still have that dream where somehow the Lakers find a find a way to get to uh, to get a disgruntled Devin Booker through a trade. Well, you might have to keep dreaming a little bit longer because according to Adam Silver, when he was speaking with Bob Costas on ES or excuse me, on CNN, Adam Silver was quoted as saying, The more I'm learning I continue to believe we'll be better getting into January with regards to the new season. The goal for us next season is to play a standard season, 82 game season and playoffs in home arenas in front of fans. So, you know, there's just a couple notes that I wrote down here. You know, if this were true, there would be no Christmas day game. The first since 1999 with the lockout that also brings this whole you know, having the season start in January kind of brings into account will NBA players play in the Olympics as well? Because it's such, you know, the Olympics, that's where all the talent goes. But if you have the season going through it, will NBA level players play? And just another thing about the fans, I kind of understand where he's coming from because the NBA is losing the last time I checked was they were losing anywhere between 300 and $500 million just in lost revenue alone. So they need the fans to come back. And regardless of what happens with the bubble, they, as much as this sucks and as much as this will affect the Olympics, I think this might be the best move for the NBA to just wait until 2021 when there's a valid vaccine or, a better way to discern whether or not it's safe to play because, you know, they're losing hundreds of millions of dollars and that's going to affect how everything else plays out. You know, the player is going to ask for a strike or a new CBA and then that might lead to another lockout. So it just, it just sucks. But I think this is what's going to have to happen. Personally, I don't think the league has any other choice. I think, because right now the season's gonna is set to end around October, okay. So if you try to play, I mean, play in like December, that's not a lot of rest. So the the league has to play in January. The mm-hmm. league has to have has to let these players have some sort of ample rest. I think personally, I would actually go with a like a sixty six game season and end at the usual time, and then finally like have the schedule reset and we'll back to normal in 2022. But, you know, we could theoretically, if Adam Silva really wants an 82 game season, like we could theoretically, theoretically play until July 
in or early August of next year if he wants to. But for yeah. me personally, I would stick to the shortened year. Um, that way, that way the season ends on a normal like on a normal time in twenty one, and that way it can give some the players some sort of normalcy, and then we get back to full normalcy in twenty twenty two. I, I agree with the general idea of shortening the next season um, and trying to fit in the playoffs and whatnot. If the Olympics is still a go, I, as a fan, you know, you want to see that. Um, I think the NBA has a lot of talent where we can kind of come up with a team that's going to be competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, but to have a full 82-game season, uh, and if anything – I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind. I don't think it's a, such a bad thing to maybe have a couple of Christmas games to kick off the season, you know, and then resume January first as the rest of the season, like just like a showcase type of spiel. Because you know, we want we want to see those Christmas games. But I, I, yeah, I, the safe the safer mes- method. I, I feel like the league has to embrace with the idea that they may have to play in empty arenas for the first like couple weeks of the year. And then they have to. Then they will slowly reintegrate crowds because we don't. It looks like we not. We will get a vaccine sometime in the first six months of twenty one, but we don't. We don't even know when that's going to hit. So I yeah. think the week. I think, but I think by January or February, we will start some type of rollout by then. But the league has to embrace like, hey, like crowds will be back at some point next year, but it's going to be a slow process and a slow reintegration and a slow phasing in. Yeah, and. Something that just popped up into my head regarding the Olympics and the NBA, they could adopt something that the KBO, the Korean baseball organization, was planning to have because when before COVID happened, there was obviously supposed to be the Olympics. And in Korea, they actually have a two-week or like a month-long break for players to play for their respective national countries in the Olympics. So I'm assuming that could be something that, you know, the NBA tries to do as well. If the Olympics are still a go is that they can have maybe like a two week or like a four week break where, you know, NBA players can go to the Olympics and do whatever and then come back. Right. Because that 82 game season, it's really important for the NBA just to recoup the losses from like the China thing. And now because of the pandemic, so. We'll Personally, I don't know. I don't even know. Like the NBA may not even have a choice. They may have to take a hit there. But, but the NBA has to know. Like of all the leagues out there, they're going to be the they're going to be the most okay because because like the NBA has you know has been the hottest league in all North America professional sports the last ten years or so. Yeah. So th- of all the leagues that can take a hit, it's the NBA. The NBA will be just fine. Right. Even the N- the NFL will obviously be fine as well. It'll be the other leagues that have to be worried. Just a, a few more quick hitters here before we transition into the video game portion of the podcast. So just a few WNBA little updates here. So I don't know if you guys have been following, but Asia Wilson won the MVP. She averaged 20 points, 8.5 rebounds, and two blocks per game in the in the shortened bubble season. And they, the Las Vegas Aces, they actually found themselves down in the semis against the Connecticut Sun after Jasmine's, Jasmine Thomas excuse me, scored a career-high 31 points. And in Game 2, Asia Wilson had 29 points, 7 rebounds, and 7 blocks to even the series. So good on her. And just to flip on to the other series, 
Alicia Clark of the Storm hit a buzzer beater with 0.3 seconds left on the clock to beat the Minnesota Lynx 88-86 for the for a 1-0 series lead in the semis. They actually had to play this game at a later date because their first game initially it got postponed because of inconclusive uh, inconclusive COVID tests. So that's a thing. Um, Crystal Dangerfield of the Minnesota Lynx won Rookie of the Year. And she's the first player in WNBA history not selected in the first round to win the award. So congratulations to her. In the same vein, Cheryl Reeve of the Lynx, she won Coach of the Year. And it's her third time tying a WNBA record. Uh, the sixth woman of the year is Derek, is from the Aces, excuse me, uh, Derricka Hamby. Uh, it's her second time winning the award. She averaged 13.7 rebounds, 2.7 assists, and 1.7 steals, which are all career highs. And lastly, I don't know if you guys saw this, but a fan was able to sneak into Fenway Park. This isn't basketball at all. This is baseball. But a fan was able to sneak into Fenway Park and started shouting at the players and started throwing things at the players. And at one point, one of the Boston Red Sox players, his name is Michael Chavis. His number is 23, I think. And this guy, this fan, just just shouted at him saying, hey, number 23, you're never going to be Michael Jordan. And I'm just thinking to myself, how the hell did that guy get in? Like, what the hell is going on with Boston that a dude, and he was like in the upper, upper rafters too. Like, he was able to make his way through and just be there. So He, cl- he climbed that wall. I forgot oh. what the, the wall is. No, no, for real. There's a special wall. Only reason yeah. I'm speaking about Green Monster. Yeah, there you go. He climbed the Green Monster. That's how he got in there. <laughs> yeah, he was actually over in that area, too. There was like a, a like a platform, and he was just shouting things, and people were like, the players at least were like, what the f*** is going on over there? That's hilarious, yeah. honestly. So was he, was he arrested? Probably, he was probably arrested. Yeah, he was escorted out of the premises and, you know, whatever else. But, yeah, you know, if you want to – if you really want to sneak into a baseball game, that is absolutely a thing you can do. Apparently, so if you want too hard, how, like how would you like bypass security? That's the question. Like we don't know. He just he just got up there and then he just popped up. And at one point, because like the scaffolding had like it went over like some seating arrangements and stuff like that, he went over the fence and it was and at one point was like hanging off the fence until he decided that was a really dumb idea and then he went back and then just you know got arrested but we need to get him on the podcast i don't i'm just playing <laughs> um i do have to say a quick hitter real quick uh week two of nfl nfl gameplay was pretty horrible with the amount of injuries that happened so if you're playing fantasy football lord have mercy uh the number one running back this year christian mccaffrey is injured he's gonna be out for a couple weeks saquon barkley tore what what did he tear his acl, ACL? So he's out for the hey, year. So, hey, and that's just two of a lot of the injuries for this week. It, it doesn't matter because my team won last week. So, that, all that, that matters, that's all, man. That's all what, I'll say. What's your team again? The Rams. Man, you know what? You didn't start this, <laughs> man, because the Eagles played against the Rams. And I was trying to have a good day. You didn't need to bring up that. Hey, hey at least my Rams put my, my fantasy team won, my Rams won. We're gonna have a difficult. We're gonna have a difficult match this Sunday, though, against Buffalo. That's gonna be hard. Well, speaking of things that are hard, 
I played the Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War Alpha, and for other people it may have been hard, but for me it was pretty easy because I really enjoyed it. I was dominating people, not trying to toot my own horn there, but I was, it was easy to play the game, and I'm really excited to keep playing it. Uh, there was just, I even have a, a video up on YouTube where I think I went 53, 53 kills or eliminations, and I think I had like 30 or 20, 20 deaths. So, yeah, it was a Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Really fun. I uh, did get a headache after a while because of the f***ing motion blur, but whatever. Is it but, a cop? Uh, for me, yeah. Dude, okay. So, ah. Uh, Personally, no offense here, but like, Farm <laughs> just doesn't care. I'm just not into shooters. That's fine. That is totally fine, man. You're, you're into what you're into, right? Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, and if Call of Duty is probably going to have another, like, subpar campaign again. It's going to be like a Michael Bay film. Yeah, that's sometimes that's all you need, man, is you pay $60 for a Michael Bay fi- film and a few hours, like, five, I mean, six, seven, eight, nine I hours mean, of the game. I mean, I wouldn't. Michael Bay films are normally, like, garbage. So. Oh, yeah. But speaking of things that you might be interested in, Spider-Man Miles Morales... There is a release date, and you guys are pumping your fists. You guys will be glad to know that they will be available for the PS4 as well. Yes, sir. And I was doing a bit of research here, and three games that are releasing on the PlayStation 5 are actually coming to PlayStation 4 as well. Spider-Man Miles Morales, Sackboy, A Big Adventure, and Horizon Forbidden West will all be released on the PS4 and will include include a free upgrade to the PS5 version, but only if you get the most expensive version of the PS5. And all those games that I mentioned are releasing on November 12th. So if you have any if you have any reservations, you might want to cancel them because Miles Morales coming out on November 12th. Nice. I mean, hey man, there's a lot of great games coming out. We got uh, what is it? Watch Dogs coming out next this next month, October, right? Mm-hmm. And then we have Cyberpunk 2077, yeah, looks, coming out the nineteenth. More incredible of November. Black Day. Yeah, those are all cops. What happened? Uh, I mean, Cyberpunk looks better by the day, honestly. Oh yeah, and the thing is, like, Drill, you asked me if uh, if Black Ops Cold War is a cop for me. It is a cop for me. At the same time, so is Miles Morales, and so is Cyberpunk, and all those games are coming out within the same week. So, that is... Hey, early Christmas gift for yourself, man. Oh, I mean, I don't know about Christmas gift, but it, it is a gift. And I mean, a birthday gift, too. All yeah. Time. Sheesh, dude. Can you imagine? if, Especially if you got like a PS5 and you're paying $70 for Miles Morales and Black Ops, too. Black Ops, comma, two. So. I mean, there's all, all of this just makes me wish that I was a, like a billionaire and like I could just like buy this with ease. Don't we all, man? Don't we all? Like, I want to like, just James Dolan, if you're out there, just sell me the Knicks right now. Wait, what? With well, what, what, what money? <laughs> wish to be a billionaire. <laughs> just... I'll just give, I give you twenty dollars for the dicks, and he gonna sell it to you too. Yeah, I have yeah, two dollars. Like, like, have you seen? Like, you guys seen that movie Inception? Like, we can do it. We can, we can invent that technology, and like, I can go into Mr. Dolan's dreams 
and, and, and you know, literally just brainwash. Just like, I'll pay you $1 for the next and you just, just sell it. Just sell it. Wild imagination there, man. Wild well, imagination. And then I'll, then I will go find a way to, to land Jason Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, and Giannis Antetokounmpo on the same squad. And then and I'll probably hire someone like Becky Hammond. Right. Well, speaking I can of. I buy all the video games I want. <laughs> all right, man. All right. Well, since we're, t- we're in the topic of multi-billion dollar acquisitions, Microsoft bought Bethesda, the studio behind Fallout, Doom, the Oblivion series, for $7.5 billion. Smart move. Smart billion move. dollars. Games that are scheduled to release on PlayStation will remain that way, but future games will release on a case-by-case basis. So that means it'll come out on Xbox first, and then depending on what, you know, if Sony says, hey, we want this game, we want that game, whatever else, then they'll make a deal for that. But so far, it's been stated that all Bethesda games will release in Xbox Game Pass the day they release. So, you know, Microsoft's making some uh, big moves uh, regarding, you know, exclusives and exclusivity and whatever else. Personally, Microsoft has struggled with the exclusives for a while. I think they're, you know, exclusives. Their exclusive lineup, to be completely honest, is piss poor. So I think this is this like it's a it's a it's a shot it's a shot of adrenaline um, to their lineup. I think it will it will serve them well in the end. I I I did a little research on their whole idea because I know that Jared touched up on it last week, and I couldn't really speak on it because I wasn't as knowledgeable as I am today about it. And I just think the whole idea behind this, this creating Xbox game pass or Xbox in general as like a ultimate streaming service for video games. It's interesting, but it's just something that's, you know, once those exclusive games come out or games that aren't within the game pass come out, it just challenges me to think like I'm paying extra for the streaming service of what the amount of games that I probably, maybe it's just because me, I don't have the enough time to like cycle through that, but I don't know. I think the idea behind it is interesting, but I just have my, my withdrawals because I'm always going to want a PlayStation exclusive or a game that might not be in game pass. But the idea behind it, cause I did read about um, somehow if you are doing the game pass for some of the certain newer games that are getting released, they'll get released specifically on the game pass now correct me if i'm wrong for the new xbox system is that happening yeah well okay. with regards to bethesda right or is that general? it or is it in general in general basically the games come out so let's say they're they are you know uh let's say they're multi-system right mm-hmm. and the day they release on on you know xbox whatever it's already included in game pass so you can play it you can play the game basically for free, but you only have to pay the the Game Pass, you know, subscription. If that makes Which, sense. Is it going to be the same price that it is already currently? Yeah, I mean, it's there hasn't been any news regarding any price changes, but for the most part, it's still going to stay around fifteen dollars for Game Pass and Xbox Live Gold. All right, my last question. Almost forgot it. I forgot it. I'll be back when I remember. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of. Well, moving on from that, Xbox pre-orders for the new systems went live a few days ago, and they sold out extremely quickly. So, you know, good luck if you got those. GameStop will actually be having different payment plans for the PS5 and Xbox. If you're interested in that, you know, you can lay it away, you can pay in installments, or you could rent to own. 
So I haven't seen rent to own things in a long time. And I remember my question. Okay, go ahead. Um, so will this new revamped game pass constantly include the same games or will it be like monthly? It kind of shifts and change. Like if I download a game, Mm -hmm. I have to play it within this month. I'm not going to be able to play it next month. So the thing with that is it's mainly, it's going to stay the same, whatever games on game pass, it's going to be there. Unless let's say 2k, for example, right? Unless they decide to say, Hey, we want to get rid of this game from your system or your lineup can you guys remove it at which point they will remove it so again for example like nba 2k20 for the xbox i had it on xbox game pass and the september i think early this month in september 2k said they didn't want it anymore and so the game was removed from the game pass lineup so it's ultimately up to the developer's discretion, but I'm pretty sure the game, the lineups will stay the same. The only thing that will change are the types of games that will be on there. Because now, like like we mentioned, Bethesda is going to have their AAA titles on the platform. So. so yeah. And just two more things here before we wrap things up. The Game Awards, um, if you guys are interested in that, will be held on December 10th. So... For, for whatever that's mm-hmm. worth. Uh, Jeff Keighley uh, made the announcement. And, and perhaps one of the more disappointing news of 2020, Black Widow has been delayed until 2021. So, I think all, 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 all Marvel movies have been, been delayed. Yeah. A lot of the I movies mean, that were supposed to come out this year got delayed That's I mean, outside of Marvel. So, you know. I mean, I, know, I think it's kind of too late now, but Spoiler warning, if you haven't seen the recent Marvel movies, uh, this it's okay. This is okay for their storylines because the current Marvel movies, uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, they're all stuck in 2023. So I guess that brings us more closer to that date. And, Homecoming? I mean, I mean no, uh, sorry, sorry. Not Homecoming. Far from home. Far from home. So all the Marvel movies, are, you know, they're stuck in 23. I mean, this, this won't really affect it. It just brings us closer to that. To, that, to the actual to that, timeline. To the actual timeline. So, so I mean, yeah. it won't hurt. I mean, it, it'll hurt them financially. But um, storyline-wise, the, the writers won't be as in Yeah, and what's crazy... Minimal, honestly. What's crazy is that the NBA players got to see it, like, a, almost a full year before everyone else did, so... Wait, the NBA players got to see, like, an early version of Black Widow? Yeah, because that was one of the things that was to entice players to come to the bubble was they get to enjoy things that other regular people won't get to do, like watch an early screening of Black Widow. So for whatever that's worth, you know. They would probably have to sign a contract. Yeah. They can't dis they can't disclose dis disclose, excuse me, that oh, you know, Black Widow, you know, whatever. But with that being said, you guys have anything else to add before we wrap things up? Shout out to GameStop for doing the rent-to-own plan and other plans to pay for the system. Yep, they're still kicking. I hope they do. (laughs) Slowly but surely, they're still trying to find a way to stay relevant. Don't forget to subscribe to the Shooting Bricks podcast and leave a review on your platform of choice. Uh, We say this a lot, but it really helps us out. It shows how much you guys are engaged, and it just just tells us that we should keep doing this. So keep uh keep doing those reviews and don't shout out to, to everybody that's did it. 
yeah thank shout you out to you guys we love you we love you very much thank you for helping us keep doing this because without you guys you know this would be a much more difficult time so thank you for all your support and lastly make sure to follow us on at podcast bricks on twitter and at shooting bricks podcast on instagram for all your news on the shooting bricks podcast and as always i'm jerry castillo uh, i'm danny Quinn, and joining us it's your boy really rail jerell cell and we will see you next week <laughs>